0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: The Week 5 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by my bookie. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it. Sometimes I have a feeling about a matchup, and sometimes I'm betting on my team just because they're my team. Regardless... Whether you've been betting for years or you're placing a bet for the first time, MyBookie is the best bet this season. With pro and college football, the MLB playoffs in full swing, and both hockey and basketball just around the corner, now it's time to get off the sidelines and get back in on the action. So if you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get into the game with MyBookie.ag. And if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code CHAIR. To activate the offer, that's promo code CHAIR to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. MyBookie, where you play, you win, you get paid. And the long-awaited London trip is finally here. As I'm talking, the bears are probably flying above my head. Well, not above my head. They'd be flying away from me, not over me. But... They're in the air on their way to London taking like a red eye from Thursday night to arrive in London Friday morning or something like that. And um, it's exciting. I know all of my UK listeners are thrilled. I follow like a UK Bears group and they are beside themselves that, you know, I mean, it's like tons of Bear fans all over the place are already posting things about either they're leaving or they're there and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's an event. People are excited that the Bears are in town. And the Bears will be there shortly if they're not there already by the time everyone's listening uh, to this. And uh, our good friend from Locked On Raiders, Q Myers, is going to be joining us to preview this matchup between the Bears and the Raiders. So uh, what do you say we get down to business? It's the week five preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Week number five has our beloved kicking off the second quarter of the season with the long-awaited overseas trip to take on the 2-2 two and two Oakland Raiders. And our good friend Q Myers from Locked On Raiders and ESPN Central Texas will be joining us here shortly to preview that matchup. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the week five preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. And it's kind of a bittersweet Week, you know, we have this game uh, on Sunday and then the dreaded by, I mean, happy to get rid of it early and get it out of the way as far as like just being a being a fan. I I, I hate a bearless Sunday. I hate a bearless weekend, to be honest with you. You got to suffer through an entire uh, weekend without bears football and you you're kind of peripherally watching the games and you don't really have an emotional investment yeah i want the packers to lose but whatever you know that kind of thing but you know it's uh it's like i said bittersweet after this game it'll be two weeks before we see our beloved again and they're going to be on a very important stretch when they do come back with the saints the chargers and the eagles to uh to polish off the first half of the schedule. And uh, you know, that's three playoff teams right out of the gate coming out of the bye. And if you guys have heard me talk about it before, Nagy has not been impressive after uh after the bye week. You know, we had our bye week last week or last year against Miami, and we laid a dud there in that football game, and then after the mini bye, the break from Thanksgiving to the Giants game, we come out flat once again and end up losing to another team that we should have easily beaten. So That's two losses right there coming off the bye. So hopefully uh, Coach Nagy can get something figured out this year. Whatever he did wrong or didn't do last season, maybe he can figure it out this year we come out of the bye better because we're facing some damn good football teams uh, coming out of the break after this. But um, we're not looking past uh, the Raiders or anything like that. It's just uh, this is a very exciting season so far it's been very up and down i think we're 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 trending up though that's the thing the defense is playing lights out we all know that uh the offense is still a work in progress and will continue to be i believe until mitch comes back but this game against the raiders has potential to be something of a springboard i believe for the bears i mean last year remember before the bye week was the famous mitch trubisky six touchdown tampa bay uh performance that was what we put on the board we shut down the number one offense in football held them to 10 points and our quarterback figured out how to play football you know at an elite level for one afternoon he was the best quarterback in the nfl six touchdown passes five in the first half to multiple receivers and uh and what have you was like a dream come true uh watching that game not saying that chase daniels is going to go nuts and throw for six touchdown passes and we're going to kill the raiders that would be nice but um, I'm just saying that uh, we're on track on offense. We're, we're going to get it figured out. And I, I believe that. So otherwise, what the hell am I doing this for? <laughs> so um, anyway, a few news and notes uh, before we get to uh, Q. I want to keep this part short because uh, uh, Q and I, uh, we get along, man, and we, uh, we talk. And uh, Q and I are both radio guys, uh, him professionally, me amateur uh, on the amateur level. And... Um, Radio guys a love to hear the sound of their own voice and love to talk. Period. So, they got the two of us together and uh, we had quite a bit of trouble shutting the hell up. So, uh, <laughs> it was a fun, fun conversation though. Covered a lot of stuff about the Bears and the Raiders and we learned a lot uh, about our opponent uh, on Sunday. So, uh, great conversation there. A few news and notes that I want to get to before we uh, before we move on. Uh, for starters. You know, a lot of this is going to be injury uh, related, but uh, Taylor Gabriel, Ted Larson did not make the trip uh, to London. So Taylor Gabriel with his uh, concussion, Ted Larson with the knee injury that had him in and out of the lineup on Sunday uh, against the Vikings uh, enough to uh, to keep them both here. They're obviously both ruled out because it'd be difficult to contribute from Chicago when we're playing uh, how many thousands of miles away in London. So both are out uh, for Sunday. So hopefully that means that Kyle Long is going to be playing uh, on Sunday. If not, big opportunity for Rashad Coward to step up uh, and uh, play in his place. Uh, One person that did make the trip, Roquan Smith. He did make the trip uh, to London. He has been full go in both days of practice so far this week on Wednesday uh, and Thursday. We'll get to the rest of the guys here in a minute. And you hear me talk about it a bit with with uh, with Q about um, how there's kind of a mixed message coming out of Hallis Hall right now. Roquan says he's going to play. Matt Nagy is in still in wait and see mode. Even today on Thursday said that they're still working on whether or not Roquan is going to play. But him making the trip to London, I say, is a pretty good uh, indicator that that is going to happen. And truth be told, I think it's a great thing. That Roquan is back. Uh, they're still mum on what the whole situation is about. And frankly, as long as it is a legitimate personal reason, it's none of our business. So I know that we all want to know. I want to know. We're all dying to know why Roquan sat out such an important game. But if it's a personal issue, then it's a personal issue, and we'll all go to our graves without finding out. So I I would love to know what happened. But if if he wants to hang on to the secret, then God bless him. So. Um, but it's it is a bittersweet thing that Roquan is playing, and only because Nick Kudkowski was a beast last week against the uh, against Minnesota. I mean, it was his his uh, his truck. You know, him trucking uh, Dalvin Cook, slamming him. You know, he, he made Dalvin Cook his bitch the other day, man. That was two uh, two plays in particular. Number one, he comes storming in on a blitz and completely. I mean, make Dalvin – put a move on Dalvin Cook. He completely whiffs him. And then this time Dalvin Cook is like, no, I'm not going to miss this time. And only is like, oh, Kwiatkowski was like, all right, and just got underneath him and shot-putted him right into uh, Kirk Cousins. (laughs) It was one of the more amazing plays on Sunday for a day filled with amazing plays on the defensive side of the ball. So it's kind of a bittersweet thing that Roquan's uh, return means that Kwiatkowski will – play very sparingly, if at all, on defense, uh, you know, and we'll have to return to the bench uh, most likely. It's a kind of a situation where uh, I, I kind of wish we were a 4-3 defense again so that, you know, I'm pretty sure Roquan would be the middle guy and then, you know, Trevathan and, and Kwiatkowski could be our outside uh, backers in a 4-3 uh, uh, defense. So, I mean, it, it makes me wish that we were almost – almost makes me wish that we were a 4-3 squad again just so Kwiatkowski could be on the field. Uh, with those guys but um, unfortunately that's not the defense that we play we only need two inside uh, linebackers and Trevathan and Roquan are the guys so and that's going on if if Roquan is correct and he is going to play on Sunday to listen to Nagy maybe there's still a little ray of sunshine that Kwiatkowski could play on Sunday after this past Sunday's performance against the Vikings that the Bears can't go wrong there Uh, whether it's Roquan or if it's Kwiatkowski uh, were solid in that, uh, in that spot. Uh, in other news, uh, Khalil Mack and Eddie Pinero did not win their respective uh, NFC Player of the Month uh, awards. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, both were serious contenders, I would have to think, but uh, Eddie Pinero did not win Special Teams Player of the Month. That went to Tom Morstead, the punter for the Saints. And Khalil Mack did not win Defensive Player of the Month. That went to Shaq Barrett of the Buccaneers, and that's the one I have a lot more easy, more of an easier time to swallowing that pill because Shaq Barrett has nine sacks in the first four games. He's got interception, he's got fumble recoveries and stuff. He's been an animal for the Buccaneers in the first four games, so that's a much easier pill uh, to swallow to then thinking that Tom Morse, that a punter had a more had a more impactful month for his team than Eddie Pinero did for the Bears I have a hard time uh believing that one but nonetheless neither one comes away with the award so we move on uh from there but speaking of Pinero um he's downplaying the game against the Raiders um this Sunday of course we we acquired Eddie Pinero in a trade with the Raiders over the offseason a conditional seventh round pick in 2021 and over the training camp or in in that process Eddie Panero had somewhat of a chip on his shoulder uh, about it saying that basically the Raiders gave him away for nothing and you know he kind of had some a little bit of uh, resentment uh, towards it but uh, you know when he spoke to reporters earlier today he was very low-key about it oh it's no big deal you know they came to me and told me that you know it was a good opportunity for me to possibly be the kicker for the Bears and I was on a flight two hours later to Chicago, blah, blah, blah. So he's downplaying it now, but a few months ago, a couple of months ago during camp, he did kind of have a, a, a sense of resentment or, or an attitude about it, saying that basically it was a conditional seventh-round pick, one that will be, um, like the conditions will be met once Pinero takes the field for the Bears, because I think if he was still on the roster five games into the season, which would be this Sunday, then the Raiders get that seventh round pick in 2021. So, the trade will therefore be complete when Eddie kicks off, or when he kicks an extra point or a field goal uh, on Sunday against the uh, against the Raiders. So, but uh, yeah, he's he's playing it low key now. But a couple months ago, that wasn't the case. He was he seemed a little bit bitter about it. Not not that he wanted to so much that he wanted to be with the Raiders or anything like that. I think it was basically because he was it's a throwaway thing when you hear conditional it's like they could still, like still nothing could happen. There's an option, there's an opportunity for nothing to happen. Like they just got rid of me for nothing. And I, I would I would take that as a, I would have a resentful tone to that uh, as well. So, but it worked out uh, for both parties. The Raiders get an extra seventh round pick in the 2021 draft. And I think we have our kicker. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's worked out uh, for, for all parties uh, involved. So. Speaking of, one more time, Eddie Pinero. Eddie was full go in practice this week on Wednesday and Thursday with that that nerve injury in his uh, right knee. He says it's getting better. Looking forward to the bye so he can be completely healed up for week seven uh, and beyond. Roquan practiced both Wednesday and Thursday this week, as did Trey Burton. No restrictions on the groin injury for Trey Burton. Kyle Long, who we mentioned a few moments ago with the hip injury, was limited both on Wednesday and And Thursday, Taylor Gabriel and obviously Ted Larson were out uh, so far this week with concussion and knee injuries, respectively. Akeem Hicks has not practiced yet with his knee injury. They're still going day-to-day with him. I'm not a fan of that news. Uh, Yoel Iwe Buniwe, or Iggy, has been hampered with a hamstring injury, hasn't practiced yet this week. And Bilal Nichols, still nursing the hand injury, has not practiced yet. Neither did uh, Mitch Trubisky with his shoulder injury. So Eddie Pinero, full go, Roquan, full go, Trey Burton, full go, Kyle Long, hip injury, limited. And the only other one I think is uh, Akeem Hicks as far as he's still day to day. He did make the trip to London, so that's a good sign. But uh, nonetheless, he has not practiced yet this week maybe in whatever the Bears are going to do when they arrive in London practice-wise. Maybe uh, Akeem will be limited or, or what have you, but uh not a fan of the whole day-to-day thing. At the same time, obviously with the way that we played, we can live without Akeem for another week, and it'll be another two weeks before we need Akeem on the field against the Saints week number seven. So they, they may treat him like they did, uh, Allen Robinson and Khalil Mack last year. They probably could have come back sooner from the from you know. I think w- with uh, with Khalil it was the ankle injury. With um, with uh, Allen Robinson, I think it was was a hamstring or a groin. It was a soft tissue injury, one of the two. Probably could have come back after one week, and instead they held him out for another uh, week, both of them. And they both came back like gangbusters. They both returned that first game against Detroit, and Khalil Mack is all over the place. He had like two and a half sacks. In that game, Allen Robinson had his most prolific day as a Bear last year. He had like 140-something yards receiving, a couple of touchdown passes, uh, and things like that. So the Bears have always played on the side of caution when it comes to uh, the injuries, and we've proven that again this year with the whole Trey Burton situation and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So maybe they hold out Akeem one more week uh, in this game against the, the Raiders, and he comes back full bore. Uh, for the Saints, which will be a much bigger game than the one we're going into. It's like obviously we want to win this game, but it's an AFC game, so it doesn't really factor into you know, playoff seedings and head-to-head and, and all that kind of stuff. It would be a very deep – we'd have to go way deep, I think, on the tiebreakers for the AFC matchups to have a factor uh, in it. So it would be much more important to have a keen back for the, for the uh, New Orleans game in a couple of weeks than it would be for him to play on Sunday – Uh, against the Raiders like I think that would probably be more of a treat for him and for the fans in London to see Akeem uh, live and in person uh, than it would be as far as uh, you know exceeding the benefits of getting him back on the field again so we'll uh, we'll see that like I said it's day to day so we probably won't find out until Sunday morning uh, when they're when they're naming the actives and or naming the inactives who's not going to play and uh, we'll see from there a, if Roquan plays, and B, if if, if Akeem uh, is playing as well. I'd say if Akeem is limited in whatever the Bears do on Friday for practice, if he's limited, that's then I think that, that Akeem's going to play. So he hasn't practiced yet, so we'll have to wait and see. So anyway, I think that will do it for our news and notes, the injury reports and things like that. What do you say we go ahead and bring in our guest, uh, Q Myers, from uh, Locked On Raiders and ESPN Central Texas to preview this week five matchup between our beloved Chicago Bears and the Oakland Raiders. Week number five, our last stop before the bye has our beloved traveling overseas to the UK to Tottenham Stadium. I learned how to pronounce that take on the oakland raiders and somewhat of a re- somewhat of a revenge game for khalil Mack, but a definite revenge game if you've talked to eddie Panero uh lately but uh, nonetheless to help us preview this uh this trip overseas and what could be a very interesting football game from uh from locked on raiders it's your boy q what's up man what up?
0: What up? What up, man? I'm glad to be back on with you. Uh, talk a little Raiders. Talk some Bears. Talk London, man. It's a, it's an exciting week And a good thing that uh, both teams have a bye after this week because I'll tell you, I've been
1: busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have. You really have. You were all over my Twitter feed today <laughs> showing up on everybody else's show. I was starting to get a little jealous, man.
0: Well, it's all good, man. Say the <laughs> best for last. Absolutely. You're there the first. There you go. You're the first Chicago Bears uh, podcast that I ever joined and uh, and jumped on and talked. And so you're, you'll be the last one as well. So say the best <laughs> for last, man. I
1: got you. There we go. There we go. So it's been a strange year for you guys, to say the least. Uh, 2019 has been a banner year uh, for the Raiders. The, the three first round picks and, and the draft and making the moves and going out and rebuilding the team. And the uh, do you even want to talk about Antonio Brown this time?
0: I don't even care it's yeah. all all good i mean we could talk about whatever you want to talk about any avenue you want to go down i mean it's all fair because well <laughs> he was a member of the silver and black for about 12 seconds or maybe yes. a of coffee but that's about it
1: well i think that the reason that it was you know blown up even bigger than it would have been all by itself was because of hard knocks so a, a lot of this played itself out on national tv for five straight weeks the helmet thing and then the fro- the frostbite on the feet thing and and then once the, the the series wrapped up, that's when the real drama began.
0: Yeah, exactly. And see, that's the thing about it. I didn't really know because I've never watched Hard Knocks before, so I didn't really know what to expect. And going into it, obviously, I had to watch it since it was Raiders related, so I'm watching it. But uh, I have a good buddy, John McClain, who covers uh, the Texans for the Houston Chronicle. Sure, and he's yeah, always, yeah. yeah
1: a legend, he's a legend, that guy.
0: Exactly. He's always covered the NFL for so long. And he told me that what you see on TV on Hard Knocks, don't take it, to mean too much because the team actually has to approve. They have to approve what's actually shown, which HBO puts out there. So he was telling me that he was disappointed by it because, you know, it didn't say anything about the team moving from from uh, Oakland to Vegas, this being the last year in, in Oakland. You didn't see any drama, and you know please believe there was drama going on behind the scenes, but the Raiders decided to clean all that up and not allow that to be seen. So I kind of looked at it sideways, and then you're right, man. As soon as the cameras clicked off and HBO left town, I mean, literally, the day that they left town and said, we're out of here, out of Alameda, then all of a sudden, that's when all the news came out. That's when all the drama came out. That's when you started hearing about uh, the relationship there in, in, in Alameda with uh, the Raiders and between A. B. and Mike Mayock. And you start realizing that he's been collecting fines, and nobody knew any of this stuff about it until HBL turned their cameras off. So uh, the Raiders did a good job of hiding it from the public. I don't know how how, how that perceived to you know uh, across the nation as far as guys that wanted to see drama through a reality show because that's all they are, but. I mean they they did a good job keeping it on the low until HBL turned their cameras off.
1: Yeah, I I think that uh they did a good job hiding Antonio Brown's crazy until yeah. the cameras were gone so they they weren't there, you know, being restricted from, you know, the the really good stuff if you will. Um but I mean it just I mean it, it, the the his antics like you, it made you worry for him. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're right. And that's the thing. That's where I'm at right now with him. You know, I don't even look at him as a former Steeler, a former Raider, a former Patriot. I don't even look at that. I look at that as a human being that needs some help. You know, and so when I see Antonio Brown and and when I hear things and when I see him tweet stuff out and it just bothers me because I feel like he's basically reaching out and asking for help and and crying for help, like saying, Save me, save me, save me! Without coming out and saying those exact words, and and then he's got Drew Rosenhaus as his agent, who the only thing he's trying to do is save a paycheck, you know. Yeah. And so it's it's really uh it really bothers me because I don't want this to end bad for AB because I mean just not forget football. Just as a person, you, you don't want to see anyone go through something really really bad. Which as far as I'm concerned, he's got something really really bad going on upstairs. So hopefully everything shakes out okay and he doesn't do anything stupid. But I mean at this point, nothing would surprise me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been worried about him since the blonde mustache interview. I've been like, whoa, what's going on here? This is not good. But, uh, you know, it it was crazy to watch that all unfold, the way that he celebrated when he heard that he got cut. And then, of course, he gets signed by the Patriots. It's like, of course he did. Of course he went to New England, scores a touchdown in the first game. But then Belichick, being Belichick, was like, oh, sexual allegations, you're out of here. I just – you know, and and now he's trying to sue the both teams for all kinds of crazy dollars. So it's the saga isn't over yet. And I don't pity the guy, but like I said, I'm I'm worried about him and what's going on with him uh, and everything. None of it is kind of pointing upward. You know, it's it, I think it is we're coming to a crash, and maybe it's just the thing that he needs.
0: Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, I hope it's the thing he needs, the the thing that humbles him. But again, yeah. I hopefully it humbles him without hurting him yeah. you know what I, I just i don't know and, and i told this to my mom and i said i'm not i don't wish anything bad on anybody but i have a feeling i'm gonna wake up one morning and i'm gonna read something really bad about antonio brown and i don't wish that on him it's just the gut feeling that i have and so hopefully that's not the case hopefully it just humbles him and he doesn't get hurt but it just feels like he's real close to doing something real stupid
1: yeah yeah if he hasn't done it already you know what exactly. i mean yep so because it sounds like the the sexual assault things happened while he was with the raiders so that,
0: I think it happened actually. I think it was a couple years ago. I think oh it really? Happened. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought
1: one of them was like the Raiders' personal trainer or something like that.
0: I don't think so. I'm not. Okay. I'm, I, I haven't heard that. I, I heard it was his personal trainer, and then a lady okay. that that Maybe. was painting something in his place or something like that. And I think that's, that's right. why it's not criminal charges because it's uh like the statue of limitations that ran out, and so now that's just trying to be trying to get a uh, you know trying to get the 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 civil, the civil suit
1: thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that happens. Okay. So. Despite all of that, the Uh, Raiders come out week one and look good against the the Broncos. They get a win. Nobody really knew what to expect from that game. Uh, You know, would the A-B drama drown out the the Raiders? Would it be a distraction? All that kind of stuff. They come out. They play very well. Uh, You know, Bradley Chubb, Von Miller, non-fact because I actually sat down and watched that game and they looked good you know led the game all throughout the final score didn't really indicate how well the raiders played it wasn't as close as 24 to 16 you know right. it was a far more dominant performance from the raiders on that one then you got sandwiched between two teams with the, the, the raider excuse me the chiefs and the the vikings where it seemed to like bring reality back down but then you go on the road and you beat the the colts in indianapolis an equally impressive win uh to kind of sandwich the first quarter you know you got those two wins at the start and the finish and then those two losses there in the middle how you feeling about this squad after four weeks
0: i actually i feel pretty encouraged i feel better than i think a lot of raider fans do i think a lot of raider fans are still kind of down in doom and gloom because of those two losses the way that they lost against yeah. the Chiefs and the Vikings. I mean, they were ugly losses. They just got away from them early, and there was just no way to climb out of that hole. Uh, the Chiefs basically beat them in the second quarter. Right. One, I mean, they got all their points scored in the second quarter, and then were, basically were able to cruise to the to the finish line and, and just get out of there with the W. And Minnesota, I mean, once they got down, it was over. I mean, it was a wrap, and, and that uh, defense in Minnesota is really, really tough. And, I mean, I ain't got to tell you, uh, you know, covering the Bears, <laughs> you already know. I mean, you gotta, you got to see them twice a year, so you already know what kind of defense they have. Uh, their offense is a little suspect, but still the Raiders just weren't on their a game. That was their very first road trip of the, of the season. And it looked like it was their very first road trip, you know? So uh, I think that the team is in a lot better place than it was in 2018, where it, as it should, because it has a lot more talent than it did in, in 2018. But I mean, they didn't pick up their second win of the season until week 11 in 2018. Right. I mean, think about that. It was in November when they picked up their second week. Look, they're two and two through four weeks. Is it a pretty two and two? No, but it's two and two. You got two wins. You got two L's and you're tied for second place in the AFC West. I think your average fan that's realistic through four weeks, if you're two and two and you're tied for second place in the AFC West, I think your average fan would take that.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think you're right. Especially the, even with the, the additions and the changes and things like that, the, for the most part, the outlook for the Raiders was still pretty bleak uh, this year. So I'd say two and two after the first quarter with the teams that you faced in the first four games. I mean, it. I mean, if you look at it on paper, you're like, "Well, I think the only thing keeping the Raiders from a win or from a loss on Monday night is that it's in Oakland instead of Denver. The Chiefs, that doesn't look good. The Vikings on the road, that's not good. The Colts on the road, they were awesome at home last year. It's yeah, you know, it's like it I'm I'm they might be lucky to be 1 and 3 after 4 games and instead you're 2 and 2."
0: Exactly. And again, I I feel pretty good about that. And the way that they won in the two games that they did win, they've played pretty well. You know, they have, they've been committed to the ground game. Josh Jacobs, the rookie out of Alabama has been able to do some, some really nice things. And I mean, he's led the team in rushing all four games, but the two games that they got away out, got out of hand early. He wasn't able to continue to run. I mean, he had like 12 and 10 carries in each game, you know, and instead he needs to be up there 15, 16, 17 carries a game and even be using the passing game which John Gruden finally started to do that a little bit in uh week number four against uh, the Colts. And so you can see how good this player could be and how dynamic he could be. You just got to give him more touches. And so if he's up there around 17, 18, I'd like to see him get 20 touches in the game. You know, and that means that John Gruden's offense is clicking. And that's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to be uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, he might want to be the Kansas City Chiefs where they go and score all the points as fast as they can and throw the ball around the yard and get all creative. But that's not who his offense is. It never has been. You know, his offense is control the rock, uh, run the ball, uh, have the West Coast offense, get the short short passes, and get the yak yards afterwards. I mean, that's what a John Gruden offense has always been. It's not going to ever change. And so for some fans out there that are, well— need to do like the Chiefs do. They need to throw the ball around like Patrick Mahomes does. It's a different dynamic. Andy Reid is not John Gruden and John Gruden is not Andy Reid. I mean it's just it's just what it is. You know, they're just different they're just different creatures and it's gonna be different like that. So Um, I I think that this thing could go in a really good direction they just got to continue to work it you know there's going to be bumps and bruises along the road Uh, they're a very young team this year as as opposed to what they were in 2018 where they were the oldest team in the league Uh, they're very very young got young guys at key positions and they got to develop them and that's something that has been a a question mark can John Gruden develop talent you know has he ever had to develop talent not really. So that's one of the big questions, one of the best, big big tasks ahead of him, and uh, you know we'll have to see if he's up to it. But right now, sitting at two and two after four weeks, and you have an opportunity—not saying it's going to happen—but you have an opportunity to go into the bye week above five hundred. I don't think you could ask for too much more.
1: Yeah, definitely above expectation. I mean, you look at the first five weeks of their schedule. You had four playoff teams and the Broncos. That's that's right. not a that's not a, that's not how you want to start the year, man. You no, know? no that, that
0: schedule is tough it's challenging a lot on the road i mean look they don't get back to to oakland and play in oakland until november i mean
1: they we talked the, about that yeah,
0: yeah they talked the they skipped the whole month of october and they just they go immediately to november so yeah i mean it's a tough challenge but you know someone's got to play the game
1: so you got to go do it yeah because i remember us talking about how uh, the one good thing is that when they finally return to oakland the baseball diamond will be covered up so there's yeah. that
0: Yep. Unless the A's go on a run, I mean. You well, know, you
1: know that's there. There's that too. You know, there that could happen. I, they got to win. They got to win tonight first.
0: Yeah, they're playing in the wild card game tonight. So if they get a W, then all of a sudden they're looking at a seven game series with the with the Astros, or, or yeah. maybe a seven game series. The Astros are so stinking good that it might be over quick. But who knows? You know, they've been playing really good against the Astros. I think they won six out of the last eight. So it could be a challenge, man. And there's there's a lot of things that could be ahead of the A or the the the, uh, the Raiders that. That are, they're not expecting. Well, actually, you know what? I take that back. They don't get back to the Coliseum until November. The baseball season will be over.
1: <laughs> right. Never mind. Cancel everything I just said. Everything you just said. We'll we'll go ahead and delete that. Just <laughs> it's gone. My bad. <laughs> so, well, let's talk about this this offense. I mean, because everyone kind of thought that, you know, it was going to be about Derek Carr and and Antonio Brown and their connection and how that was going to go down, and instead. It's you know uh, Tyrell Williams who, who signed from the from the Chargers is doing things, but the guy that's really stepped up is Waller, the tight end. I mean he was a household name after Monday night. I mean it was and looking at the stats, Derek Carr's completed ninety three passes so far this year, and Waller's caught thirty three. So basically one out of every three completions from Derek Carr is going to Waller.
0: Yeah, he's been a stud. He's been a great uh, addition to the team. He's been a guy that nobody knew what to expect. You know, really, I mean, in 2018, if you look at the numbers, he had six total catches in in 2018. He's got 33 this year. And, you know, a lot of Raider fans, including myself, were kind of freaked out about, well, what's the tight end position going to look like? Jared Cook is gone. He's in New Orleans. He left as a free agent. He was the leading receiver for the Raiders in 2018. So where are you going to get that production from? And yeah, everyone thought A B was going to be the guy. I thought he was going to go for twelve hundred and, and get you ten plus touchdowns and everything was going to be great. And Tyrell Williams was going to be a really good compliment. And, you know, at one point I thought, well, you know, the tight end position might not be as important this year. Well, I was wrong because, well, A B's not there, and Tyrell Williams all of a sudden is moved into the number one role. And and I don't quite think he's a number one wide receiver, but he's he's trying to learn that role anyway do the best he can. He has four catches, I mean four touchdowns in the first four games, so that's positive. He's a, a good red zone target. He, he's come up with some big catches for Derek Carr, but he's also put the ball on the ground a couple times for Derek Carr, so that's mm-hmm. something he's got to work at, but Darren Waller, man, he's a he's a guy that has a lot of off-the-field issues he dealt with early in his career. He was on Baltimore's practice squad in 2018. The Raiders grabbed him, and uh, for some some reason, they saw something in him in practice before the, the, they played the Ravens uh, in 2018, and they brought him back to Oakland with them, and, and so now they're unleashing them. And now all of a sudden, the league is learning who Darren Waller is. And this guy, in my opinion, what I've been saying all, all along is he's a, a Jimmy Graham before Jimmy Graham got soft or, or, or right. wasn't as good. You know what I mean? Because Jimmy Graham was a beast at one point where he was yeah, an yeah. absolute stud. And, and then he just kind of fell off. And it's like, oh, yeah, that, that's cool. It's Jimmy Graham. Now he's just really a name. But Darren Waller, man, he he can absolutely go and play. And, and, and John Gruden is trying to get him as many mismatches as possible. Line him up with linebackers. Get him lined up with short shorter defensive backs. I mean, just move them around the, the line of scrimmage, you know, put them in the slot, line them up tight. I mean, he's doing all kind of different things just to create that mismatch. And it's so far early in the season through four games, it's really paid off.
1: Yeah. You talk about Jimmy Graham and, and when he was, when he was a beast. And I, I just remember the chill that went down my spine when I heard he got traded to Seattle. I was like, Oh dear God. Now Russell Wilson has a red zone target. Are you kidding me? They're going to win 16. They're going to go 16 and zero, man. And it was like him going to Seattle was like, yeah, whatever. I guess the Saints pulled the trigger at just the right time.
0: Yeah, no, they really did. I remember that exact day when he was traded. I remember the trade deadline was right there. And all of a sudden, uh, one of my co-hosts from uh, the radio station, uh, ESPN Central Texas, comes running in my office. It was like, dog, Jimmy Graham just got traded to the Seahawks. And I'm like you, I was like. Lights out.
1: Yep. Lights out. <laughs> it's they over play. with. It's done.
0: Yeah. They got that defense. They got the run game. They got Russell Wilson, and now they got a stud and Jimmy Graham. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a wrap. Yeah. And it was
1: like the NFC's locked up now. You can forget about it.
0: Yeah, and it just never, it never shook out that way. Yeah. And then even in Green Bay, I mean, he gets a couple touchdowns here and there, but he's pretty much a, an, an afterthought now. And I never thought I'd be saying that about Jimmy Graham.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. So, but I mean, Waller was a beast. He was one of those guys that was profiled heavily. On the uh, on hard knocks as being a guy that um, is one of those true like second chance guys. He had a, a, a he had a drug problem and, and you know had to work through it. He still goes to 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 NA meetings and things like that. And this guy has kind of found his way. And he became kind of like a darling, uh, you know, of a lot of people when like the Madden people showed up at practice and started asking him like hey what's you know what what do you think what do you think your rankings are and when they told him what it was instead of being one of those people like every other single player in the <laughs> NFL be like nah dude i'm supposed to be like 99 speed 105 yeah, I... with catches and blah 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 and he was like nah that's fair it's, right. nobody knows who i am nobody knows what my skills are nobody seen me do anything so what you have for me is fair and that both yeah. of them if you could have blown them over with a feather they were both so shocked to hear that come out of a NFL players face and then the guy comes out and totally just balls out uh, in the first four weeks
0: yeah he's been he's been nice man and, and he was very humble in that in that situation with the Madden folks and you're right man all all these NFL players complain about their ratings and and rankings and I, I never knew it was that serious but apparently it's that serious uh, it, it is what it is, but Darren Waller, man, he's he. You said it. I think you said it right, man. He's he's a darling. He's one of those guys that people are rooting for because they do know the off the field stuff. You know, Hard Knocks did that for him. It kind of dis, uh, dis displayed and let it be known what he was going through on a daily basis. Because addiction, man, that's not something that oh, that was last week's problem, but I'm good now. You right. know what I mean? Like, that doesn't go away. That's something that you wake up with every day, and he might fight that every single day. And so I feel like everyone's just rooting for him, regardless what color jersey he's wearing, what color helmet he's wearing. They're just rooting for him because people want people to be right. You know, I I genuinely think people really do despite what Twitter says want want people to be right you know I think I think people enjoy seeing a a success story or a comeback story and this guy said it he said I I was throwing my career away I wasn't even worried about football I was just like whatever I don't care I just looking for my next fix looking for my next high and to know now that he's leading the the Raiders in in catches with 33 and and tied Antonio Gates for the most catches by a tight end in, in the first four games I mean that's that's saying something, you know, that's, you can't shake a stick at that kind of stats. So that's, that's pretty awesome, man. So I'm really, I mean, I'm rooting for him obviously as a player, but I'm also rooting for him as a man and just really, really hoping that he could stay on the straight and narrow and and turn his life around and be able to share that story with someone else that might be going through something later on and and really help them out. So I I really love what Darren Wallace got going on early on.
1: Right. And then one of the other beneficiaries of the way things worked out with a B was Keelan Doss, who was another, kind of star of the hard knocks series this year because gruden was you know was basically in love with the guy but somehow he doesn't make the he doesn't make the final roster he had to make some some big cuts and and things like that but with ab gone keelan Doss gets signed back onto the roster and i i did he catch a touchdown pass like last week or did he i heard he did something against the colts this past sunday
0: yeah, no, he just made a catch. It was okay. on a, it was his first catch, his first regular season catch, and uh, it was pretty cool because Derek Carr started to roll out, and all of a sudden Keelan Doss kind of made himself available, and uh, and then Derek Carr hit him, and he actually picked up a real important first down uh, down the stretch of the game. So uh, he hasn't really had a lot of burn, but it's so funny, man, because Keelan Doss was such a big story on hard knocks, so many Raider fans were so angry when he got cut and were like, what in the hell is John Gruden doing? How can you cut that guy and made it sound like he was Randy Moss, you know, yeah. and he's, you know, he's Keelan Doss. I mean, he, he went undrafted for a reason. Uh, you know, he's not the end all be all. And that's what I kept trying to tell people. Like the Raiders were not going to win the Super Bowl because all of a sudden Keelan Doss was on the roster. Yeah. Obviously, there's another reason why he got cut. And, you know, they tried to bring him back immediately after the, the whole AB thing shook out and they released AB and Keelan Doss uh, said, no, nah, no, thank you. Because Jacksonville gave him a big fat contract gave him like 400 something dollars. And uh, so he was like, okay, well, I'll just stay on their practice squad then. And then the Raiders came back and upped that money. So, look – he got cut but then he ended up winning anyway so now yeah. he's happy he's back at the at the place that he root, rooted for for uh, as a kid growing up his hometown and he's getting paid a lot more money than he originally would have if he had made the the original 53 man roster so uh it's a win 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 for him in the end now he's got to go out there and do it on the field and i think he could be somebody moving forward but he's not a guy that i count on and say oh keelan Dawson's is going to come up with you know eight or nine catches a game or he's going to be wide receiver number one i think he could be like a good number three maybe even a number four but i don't see him being being a number one or a two not right now it's too early in the game
1: yeah some guys have good careers being a number two and a number three look at emmanuel sanders and you know exactly. guys like that you know it's there's nothing wrong with not being the top guy especially in in today's nfl as a receiver
0: right i mean look look how much like easier life was for for juju smith schuster when ab was there mm-hmm. you know what i mean it made life a lot easier now he's he's scratching his head wondering what in the world's going on? How come I don't have all these catches, all these touchdowns? I mean, it's it's a lot different when you're the guy. Everyone wants to be the guy until you're actually the guy. And then it's like, well, you know, life wasn't that bad as number two. <laughs> you know, so.
1: So let's talk about the defense then. And, you know, we, we talked about Josh Jacobs, who my favorite part of, of of Hard Knocks was how how much he avoided the camera throughout the throughout the series. Like, he would hide his face. He was ducking behind his helmet and things like that. I thought that was – funny but one guy who did not shy away was your other one of your other first round picks it was abraham was his
0: oh jonathan abram
1: abram that's it abram unfortunately he's hurt is he done for the year is he on short-term ir
0: no he's done for the year he had to have labram he's done he he played one game against denver and and tore his labram and that's too bad because i wanted to see what he could be uh we all saw what he could be on hard knocks we all heard what he could be just talking trash yeah Uh, he's a big time hitter uh he was out there uh, going in just like a scud missile that that first Monday night game against Denver but unfortunately Torres Labrum he's out for the season and now it's just speculation on what could have been
1: right right and then uh, Cleveland Farrell uh, did he get a sack week one I'm pretty sure I know I heard his name several times yeah. on Monday night that first week did he get a sack in that first one
0: yeah in the first game he picked up a sack he hasn't had one since right uh, he's really more of a, a run stuffing guy than he is a, a pass rusher but uh, he, he's, he's a good player. I believe right now he's in concussion protocol, so I don't know if he's going to play on Sunday or not, mm. but, um, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's going to be a good player. He's got to develop. Um, you know, he, he's always going to be looked at as the guy that they drafted to, to replace Khalil Mack, but you don't just draft a guy to replace Khalil Mack. I mean, yeah. you just, don't. I mean, you know, the, the, the expectations will always be too high for him. So he'll probably never get a fair shake, but I do think he's a good player. I think he's a hell of a leader. He goes for Clemson, got that good bloodline as far as winning and, and, and being coached up right. Dabo Sweeney is a heck of a head coach so uh, I I think he's going to be a fine player I don't know if he's going to turn into an all-pro or a pro bowler I don't know what the future holds for him but I think he'll be fine is he Khalil Mack no but I think he's going to be a decent player
1: yeah I mean dude we'll talk about Khalil here in a minute but I just I still can't believe Gruden did it I mean like like when I see what he did last week against the the Vikings he fought through a quadruple team at one point he he shot putted the left tackle out of the way and then ran through the guard to get another sack on on cousins and he does that stuff all the time i mean it's just it's it's crazy to to marvel at what he does play in and play out and i like I feel like we still owe you guys more picks like we didn't give you enough to get what we're getting in return from this guy it's insane what he can do so i mean I just I still can't wrap my head around the idea and Grun still still has to answer questions about it especially this week.
0: Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate and he's a hell of a player and we all knew that, you know, he won defensive player of the year with the with the Raiders. But yeah. the one thing about it and again, I I wish he was a Raider still. I absolutely do. Again, mm-hmm. he's the he's the girl that got away. Uh, I've right. said it Times the, the good-looking girl that you just knew was going to be, you know, your queen forever, then all of a sudden for some reason you woke up and she was gone and now she's running around with the next dude and you happen to run into her every once in a while and got to talk about it. Yeah, I'm not saying I've been there, done that, but I'm just saying it's just one of those situations. I think that that's the best way to describe it, that every man can figure out and understand what I'm trying to say. Sure. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a rough deal, but, I mean, the Raiders, and this is no cop-out, the Raiders were ranked anywhere between 22nd and 26th when they had Khalil Mack on their defense. And now that he's gone, the Raiders are ranked between 22 and 26. I mean, (laughs) what's bad about it is, as good as he is, the Raiders' defense still was not good. You know I mean? It was not good. He was a stud, and he cleaned up. He was a real good perfume and covered up a lot of stink. But there was a lot of stink behind him. You know, there really, really was. Bruce Irvin thought he was his running buddy, and he kind of was somewhat, but not really. I mean, you know, it's just he wasn't that guy, but – I'll tell you, man, Khalil covered up a lot of issues. Now, you put him on a team that already has a really good defense, which the Bears already had before he even got there, and he really has one job. He doesn't have to clean up the stink. All he has to do is go get the quarterback, do what he does, just worry about him, not worry about the other 10 guys on the field. Because in Oakland, he had to worry about a lot of other guys on the field, making sure they were doing what they were doing, supposed to be in the right place. And, and I mean, the responsibility that he, he had to, to carry on his shoulders in Oakland was probably unfair and way yeah. too much. Uh, with that being said, I still wish he was there, but, I mean, I get it. it I mean, it is what it is, but I'm I'm always going to be happy to see his success because I have no ill will towards Khalil. thought he was a hell of a player. I still got two of his jerseys hanging in my closet. I'll never get rid of them because it just is what it is. But, yeah. um, you know, unfortunately, he's playing for the Bears and, you know, winning a lot of games, and he's on a hell of a defense, and he's thriving. And, unfortunately, the national media has to show that to me all the time, and I got to see it. <laughs> You know? I mean it is what it is. There's nothing I can yeah. say except for the fact that, you know, Gruden made the trade and and real said, "Well, we weren't that good with him, and we're not that good without him." So, I mean, a, a whole lot hasn't changed except for 52 ain't running around the field no more. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's interesting to talk about because the perspectives on both sides are, you know, are on, from the extreme, you know, one side to the other for for yeah. bear fans like I said, we can't believe that you did it. And even though Raider fans are upset that it happened, it made sense because of what Mayock and Gruden are doing now. And those young guys, and, and, you know, like you said, you had the oldest roster in football. You had to do something in order to flip that. And this was one of those extreme measures that you had to take in order to make that happen. And, you know, while it's, you know, I would, you and I talked over the summer about how I, you know, somebody said that the Raiders have already won, the trade simply because of, you know, the haul that they got, which I thought was ridiculous. I, was yeah. like, I can say five years from now that could absolutely be true if, you know, Abram and, and uh, Farrell and, and Josh Jacobs are all, you know, pro bowlers are all pros or dominant players and, and things like that. In the future, that can absolutely be true. But right here, right now, only one team is winning the trade. And, you know, as far as immediate returns on the field, that's all happening in Chicago. Uh, right now that could very very much change in the next few years because Khalil Mack is not exactly a cheap guy to have on the roster and that could affect who we keep and who we let go in the future so I mean it's it's the the ramifications could be different on both sides in a few years
0: yeah I mean and think about this all the years he was in Oakland they were a playoff team one year right <laughs> you know what I mean one year and that was 2016 that was the one magical year that the Raiders have had and the rest of the time, they weren't very good. And the rest of the time, and still, even that year, they weren't a very good defense, but they created a bunch of turnovers. A lot of those are led by him. A lot of strip sacks, uh, an interception return for a touchdown. I mean, there's things that he was able to do that, like I said, masked a lot of the problems and covered up a lot of the warts that the Raiders had on defense. And uh, and then on, on top of that, Derek Carr was able to come through with a lot of great uh, heroics at the end of games as well in 2016. It was really a magical season. But outside of that, I mean, what do the Raiders have to show for for any of this stuff in the yeah. last few you know and so um again it's hard to justify what John Gruden did because that sounds like what you know you're trying to do but it's not it, it, it's not really a justification it's just look this is what's gotta gotta happen gotta yeah. have to this move, gonna have to try to, like you said, turn over the roster, get some young talent in there. Look, there's teams around the league that are doing it now. I mean, the Giants did the same thing. They they got rid of Odell Beckham Jr., who was arguably their best player on the team outside of Saquon Barkley, and got some extra draft picks because they knew that they had to make an overhaul. It looks like the Jaguars are still trying to move on from Jalen Ramsey and get a big huge overhaul, who's probably one of the best players on their team. I mean, there's teams around the league that are making these this kind of move. The problem is John Gruden did it first with a guy that is an absolute stud, an absolute monster, and you know, just happens to be talked about all the time and well the Bears are in the playoffs so there you go
1: well you know the how the old saying goes the first guy through the wall is the one that gets bloody so I mean that's yeah. that's what's that's what's happening to Gruden with with the with every single play that that you know Khalil Mack makes and then just adds to his highlight reel is another question that John Gruden's got to answer like dude what the hell were you thinking when you when you did this And and he there's nothing he can say you know except what he's been saying we did what we felt was necessary we didn't want to get rid of him. You know, We didn't want to have to trade him, but it became necessary, and that's what we did in order to get ourselves on the path that we're on now. I like where we're headed, and we'll see what happens.
0: And that's what you can do. That's all you can do is see where you go. You know, again, I like the players that they got in the draft this year, but you never really know who they are until, like you said, a few years down the road. So I, I like the direction that it's going. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be good. I think these players are going to pan, pan out. But, of course, right now while you're seeing one succeed and one is kind of just struggling along or losing a game, winning a game, losing a game, winning a game, you know I mean? it's it's It just kind of it eats you up inside because you know – what a player that you had and what a hell of a player was on the roster and a guy that you rooted for every Sunday. So it's hard to, it's a hard pill to swallow, but I mean, at the end of the day, you just got to do what you got to do and keep it moving.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, let's talk a little bit more about your defense instead of ours, because that's (laughs) been the one suspect uh, aspect of this three and one football team that I root for is our offense. So I want to know what we're going up against on, on defense and, and, you know, will we be able to finally run the ball are, are you guys good against the run will we be better at the you know short passing game can we beat you guys deep what what can we look forward to in facing the Raiders on Sunday you know I,
0: I will say I think the run defense for the Raiders is really really good I mean they held Marlon Mack to 35 yards last week you know so I think that the run defense is really good now they got they got hit they got hit hard by Dalvin Cook but again in that Viking game everything went wrong yeah but Week 1 against the Broncos, uh, you you got Philip Lindsay and you got uh, Royce Freeman held them those guys in check. You know, week 2, Kansas City, you held Shady McCoy in check along with Damian Williams. Did a really good job with those guys. Dalvin Cook again, like I said, he he gashed the Raiders for some big time yards, but he's also the number 1 rusher in the league. You know what I mean? So he he got him but uh, Marlon Mack, who was the number three rusher in the league, only got 35 yards rushing. I believe that because of the defensive tackles that are on the defensive line for the Raiders, uh, Jonathan Hankins, P.J. Hall, Mo Hurst, guys like that, they're actually in there making plays and they're they're making things tough on the guys running. You know, and the Raiders have been doing a pretty good job of setting the edge and not letting get guys get outside. Uh, a couple times they broke down on Sunday, but not too bad where they got gashed too much and uh, they got a lot of, uh, of young energy. Uh, Max Crosby, the fourth-round draft pick out of Eastern Michigan, he comes with a lot of energy. He doesn't have any sacks yet, but he came up with a big uh, forced fumble on Sunday, you know, and, and that was a big play and really kind of got things rolling, got the ball rolling a little bit more for the Raiders. And, uh, you know, he just he doesn't quit. You know, I've seen him in the same play get a blocking in the back penalty. Uh, caught, he, he caused that block in the back penalty and then came back and still made the tackle on the play. I mean, you know, it's just like the guy doesn't quit. Uh, if, if you're watching Hard Knocks, he was the guy that broke his hand in in, uh, in, in the preseason game number one. Right. Went back to the locker room, got it wrapped up, and got back into the game. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And he just has that energy. And I actually got a chance to talk to him and interview him. And he just says, "Man, I, I'm just that's who I am. I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. Uh, I'm gonna go and go and go. And that battery doesn't run out. That uh, you know that that uh, that that burn in my belly keeps going. And so." That's who he is. You know, he's a guy whose motor doesn't stop. That's what you're always looking for in football players. So he's still trying to develop, but I think you got something there with him. Uh, like I mentioned, the defensive tackles are, are are pretty good, really good in my opinion. And, uh, you know, and then the the big elephant in the room is, is Vontez Burfitt's going to be out. Mm-hmm. Montez Burfitt has been a big reason that the run defense has been really good as well. He's been lining guys up properly. He's a, in Paul Gunther's defense. He obviously played in it for very long in, uh, in Cincinnati, so he knew exactly what Gunther wanted. He would line these guys up. He would call the plays. He would check out a plays and call to something else, and he knew exactly what, what was supposed to be executed, where guys were supposed to be. So with him being out, that's going to be big, and when he got ejected on Sunday, immediately the Colts started to be able to run immediately it's like all of a sudden something opened up. Well, it's because Vontez Burford wasn't there. To, we, to hear Whitehead, he took over as the, as the middle linebacker, the guy with the green dot. And, I mean, he got things going at, at some point. And, again, the, the defense did really well against the run. But, uh, you know, Vontez Burford being out it, is a big loss. you know? And so I don't know what's going to happen with the appeal. I don't know what the NFL is going to say. But uh, regardless of what anyone thinks about the guy as a, as a dude and just a, a, a nasty player – uh, he's going to be a, a big-time loss for the Raiders as long as he's out. So uh, that that could affect the defense as well. But the run defense, I think, is going to be really sticking good. So I don't expect to see the Bears get off, at least in the run game.
1: Right. Well, you know, when it comes to perfect, I've always kind of had a six-in-one-hand, a dozen in the other thought about the guy. For On one hand, I love the way the guy plays the game. He's full speed all the time. You know, he's he's old school as far as that goes. Like, he should have been playing 30 years ago. Yeah. In the 80s. You know, he would have been an absolute monster back then because you could hit people back in the 80s. And then on the other hand, the other six, if you will, of that dozen. It's like, God, this guy is so stupid. He does this over and over and yeah. over again. And it's gotten him into the spot that he's in now, because, of course, the you know, the hit that he made was definitely helmet to helmet. Yeah. I don't think it was necessary. The guy was on his knees. He could have just pushed him down or, or or what have you. It didn't even look like he was getting up from the replays that I saw uh, or anything. But he goes full bore head first right into him. Of course you're gonna get tossed when you when it's like that. You know, and it's just like he's such a good football player, and yet he's one of those guys that can't seem to get out of his own way. He he's one of those guys that's constantly on the, the NFL's radar, and now this is what happens because he keeps doing that so it's like on one hand I think he's a hell of a football player and I love to watch him play and on the other hand it's just like he's got to be one of the most frustrating players to watch just because he keeps doing this to himself yeah
0: and you know what's funny about that is that when the Raiders signed him I was 100% against it because I kept saying like if you go and look back at, at all the games he's played in his career I think he's only played a full 16 season like one one time you know what I mean? Like, one time in his whole career, he's played all 16 games. And so I said, he's not available. You know, a player's best ability is availability. Right. That was the thing that I kept saying. And everyone got mad and, like, man, he's exactly what the Raiders need. He's an old school Raider, he's got that old school mentality. I was like, yeah, but it's 2019. It's not an old school league. I mean, you right, can't play right. that way. Like you said, he'd have been a monster back in the eighties. Oh, he'd have been an absolute monster, you know, and he'd 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 be the best player in the league. I mean, no doubt about it. People would be fearing going across the middle. It's not that that game anymore. It's not your dad's football anymore. You know what I mean? It's a it's a it's a new uh, era. They're trying to protect these players. And so because of everything he's done, he's on the he's on the watch list, you know, because of his rap sheet, he's already, you know, he, he's already guilty before he's even done something. Yeah, they are yeah. no. And that's the thing. Like I told everybody, the hit that he did wasn't even the worst hit that, that happened on Sunday. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it wasn't the worst hit throughout the league on Sunday, yeah. but it was him. And so he's the guy. And and a lot of people think, well, the year of suspension came because he's a Raider. It's not, I don't think, no. because of the colors of the jersey or no. the helmet. It's because of the guy wearing the helmet. Yeah. It's all because of him, and the league is just tired of him. And unfortunately, that's big. It's a it's a big-time loss because, like I said, he's a hell of a player he was playing really well for the Raiders. He was really becoming a leader. He was a captain. They, I mean, they made him a captain. Yeah. You know, he was playing really well. And for him to be out now, it's, it's really disappointing. And the team is pissed off about it. I know he flew to London with the team and then found out that he's suspended for a year. And the team is kind of devastated. And is can they rally? That's going to be one of those things. Can they rally around knowing that he's not there and go out and do what... He taught them and and, and showed them during training camp and during the preseason and during the first three games of the year, showed them exactly what they're supposed to be doing in that defense because now they got to pick it up without him, and that's the unfortunate part. But, I mean, Vontez Burfitt is Vontez Burfitt. At the end of the day, if he's suspended, he's not suspended because of something you did, not suspended because of something I did. He's suspended because of
1: something he did. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of those high-risk, high-reward guys. You know, if it works out, it's going to work out like gangbusters, and if it doesn't, it's going to go down in flames. And we've you've seen that in the first four weeks, you know, he's he's been the general of your run defense to help you, you know, shut down a guy like Marlon Mack, who was running on everybody and things like that. And then on the other side, when 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 Mr. Hyde shows up, then he does something stupid and it didn't he didn't do himself any favors by blowing kisses on his way out of the stadium. Uh, that was, that was no. not a smart move, man. It's like, no, it oh, was, Jesus,
0: I was shaking my head when he was doing that. And it's funny when he made that hit on, on Jack Doyle. I even said, I was like, that's a, that's a helmet to helmet. That's, I mean, that's a, in college, that's the targeting, you know, and, and, yeah. and that's automatic ejection. And so when they gave him the 15 yard penalty, I thought, oh, okay, well, I guess they're going to let that go. That's cool. And then all of a sudden they said, oh, it's being reviewed. And I, I just looked over at my friends at the house and was like, that's a wrap. He's done. And they're like, yeah. what do you mean? I said, it was about to get ejected. He's he's done It's targeting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there you go. And so, and, and now we, here we are a few days later and not only is he done for that game, he's done for the year. Unless, unless appeal says otherwise
1: yeah, that would be a miracle in the time that we have left. So, uh I mean it would. I mean, I would it would be crazy if if he could manage to to I mean, it's only Wednesday right now, so we still yeah. have what four days before the before the game is played. So, I mean, it's it's not impossible, but uh I would think that the NFL is probably going to drag its feet on hearing him out in time for him to play against the Bears on Sunday. So, uh yeah, I wouldn't anticipate Vontes making a second trip overseas to uh to get out there for the no the game on Sunday.
0: No, not at all. Not at all.
1: Yeah, but you mentioned Max Crosby, and he was another one of the quote unquote stars of uh, of uh, Hard Knocks over the summer. And I immediately I love guys like Max Crosby because he went to Eastern Michigan, and I say that because Eastern Michigan is a horrible football program, and yet this guy was able to be like the man amongst boys to get himself noticed to get himself drafted and ha- and still has love for the game when he plays for a program that maybe wins three games uh, a year. I think it says something about a guy's character if he can overcome what he went through during his time in Eastern Michigan. Because I went to Western Illinois. That's a one double A school. We would schedule Eastern Michigan and kick the crap out of them. Okay? I mean, <laughs> it happened a couple of times. So, I mean, it's like that's how we look at Eastern Michigan. Like I had our former head coach, uh, Don Patterson, on the show over the summer and he mentioned that they played two 1a schools in 2003 or something like that one of them was eastern michigan and when he got an offer for the second one to beat lsu he's like yeah well we'll win the eastern michigan game so yeah why not we can afford to to take on an lsu because we're gonna get that win against that one a team because most one double a programs schedule a one a game for the money and don't anticipate winning, like, but they anticipate what it's going to cost them to go out there. you know, like the the team that beat Tennessee, Georgia State got nine hundred thousand dollars to go and beat Tennessee in Tennessee. That's not supposed to happen. But we went out to Eastern Michigan and we whooped them, and then took the payday from LSU and the loss. So, <laughs> if Max Crosby can overcome being you know four years at Eastern Michigan, maybe five for some guys, and still find his way to the NFL and still have love for the game and, and the grind. That's a guy I want on my team.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's a hell of a story. Like, I like that. I mean, that <laughs> that is a hell of a story. Uh, it's funny, man, because when I actually interviewed him, uh, one of the things I led off with is the fact that uh, he actually played Texas high school football, and oh, yeah. so okay, yeah, you know, so he was at a uh, Heritage uh, in the DFW area, and so I, I kind of talked to him about that at first, and uh, and then I said, man, that must have been a big difference, right, going from Texas to to Eastern Michigan and uh you know and he said yeah uh it, it's funny when you're trying to walk to practice in snow
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that's definitely a culture shock if if you're yeah. not used to that uh you know i've pretty much lived my whole life in the midwest so i haven't had to go through something like that like living down in texas where it's 85 and humid in december or something like that so right. i don't I'm know if i can do that right now let's put it like that yeah there you go so yeah and it's <laughs> it's 65 and rainy out here in, 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 uh, in Iowa for, for a change. So, but, um, so, you know, you, you, talked about the run game and that's been like one of the, one of the weaknesses for the bears, uh, despite the fact that we upgraded our running game with Mike Davis and David Montgomery. I was listening to locked on bears today when you were on with, with Lauren doing the crossover episode. And you mentioned you have familiarity with David Montgomery cause you cover Baylor and the big 12, uh, and everything. And at this, I really feel like Montgomery is kind of like a superstar waiting to happen. If only our offensive line could get him through to the second level, then I think we'll really be able to see what David Montgomery can do. But unfortunately, our offensive line can't get him past the line of scrimmage in most cases, so we haven't seen what Montgomery is capable of, which is why hearing that Montez Perfect has been such a, a key to the run defense for you guys. Maybe this could be the week that we get to see a little bit more of David Montgomery.
0: Yeah, it, it might be. It, it really might be. And David Montgomery's a stud. I mean, he's an absolute stud. He was a, a monster at Iowa State. Really loved what he was able to do. Loved the chip on his shoulder and the attitude that he brings. I remember talking to him personally at a Big 12 Media Days uh, a couple seasons ago. And, man, just loved the the approach that he had and the no, no nonsense. No, you know, he's not one of those diva type guys. I mean, he's a perfect Chicago Bear. There's no doubt yeah. about it. you know he just he has that that absolute attitude of a Chicago Bear. Uh, I think he's going to be really good in the league. Uh, you know, and when that offensive line gets going, then uh, you know we'll, we'll see what he has. But uh, again, man, I think that the the, the Raiders defensive line and, and I think that the linebackers are really kind of keying in on stopping the run and making teams are trying to make teams one dimensional. Now that doesn't always work, but mm-hmm. I think they're really trying to do that. And and Brenton Buckner, the defensive line coach, it's the first year he's been in Oakland. Uh, I really like him. I think Me too. he. Uh,
1: I, I think like he him a lot. a lot.
0: Yeah, I really think he brings a lot to the table for the Raiders, and he's really going to help these young guys out. So once these young guys figure it out more, uh, Cleve Farrell, again, like he, he was a guy that I mentioned that uh, was really good against the run. Well, he's in the concussion protocol right now, so I don't know if he's going to have time to clear it by the time the game is on Sunday. I think that'll be a big loss for the Raiders if he's not there available in the run game. And, uh, you know, then you'll have a guy like a uh, Benson Mayoa will probably be active, no doubt about it. He was a healthy scratch last week, and, Hell, he leads the team in sacks with three and a half. But, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. So, uh, (laughs) you know, it's just it's just weird, man. It's a weird dynamic. I feel like these guys are trying to to get the pieces right, trying to figure out what pieces fit, what pieces go together and and how they can maximize the talent that they have on the roster right now. But uh, as far as just stopping the run, I really like what they're doing that way. And I think that they're going to try to make Chase Daniel. I'm assuming he's going to be the quarterback. uh, I think they're going to try to make him kind of throw the ball around the yard and, and take their chances with the ball in the air.
1: Yeah, I think the Bears are still playing. or still have a little gamesmanship going on with the whole quarterback thing because I've heard you know uh, Matt Nagy both days this week say that Mitch is likely out uh, for Sunday. We have yet to promote uh, Tyler Bray, who's our third string quarterback on the practice squad. We have yet to promote him to the active roster yet. And, you know, I think he just kind of wants to kind of leave it out there that there's some glimmer of hope that the Raiders should be also preparing for Mitch and Chase instead of just focusing on on Chase Daniel. I think maybe that's what – I don't think that's what's happening. Like, I think Gruden's smarter than that. But still, I think that that's maybe what – or why they're delaying the decision as much as they are. It's Like, it's a little gamesmanship. Maybe think that, uh, you know, maybe Mitch will be the backup on – sunday instead of you know being out and tyler Bray gets elevated to the practice squad so we'll see what uh we'll see what happens uh there but i'm I'm interested to see how the bears can match up against against your defense and and just because the defense is the big question mark on the team you know there's uh, no question whatsoever what's going to happen on defense they're going to do their thing whatever that happens to be whether it's right. turnovers or pressuring the quarterback, stopping the run or whatever, they're going to do what they're going to do because we've got the horses and it's a deep bench apparently because we beat the crap out of Minnesota on Sunday with half our defense on the bench last night uh, last week. So I mean, yeah. we got some we got some animals on that on that side uh, of the ball. The real question mark is going to come down to how does the Bears' offense perform against the Raiders' uh, defense and can they put uh, put points on the board? To um, you know, to put the the space in between them. Is there is, is there any big difference between
0: Chase Daniels and, and and Mitchell Trubisky as far as what they're doing and and how they do it? I mean, I know Chase has been around the league a lot longer than Mitch, but I mean, I, I kind of look at them as like similar quarterbacks, and they're pretty much they're able to do the same thing. Maybe Chase isn't going to run as much, but I just kind of feel like they're they're very very similar.
1: Uh, they they are very similar, I think, in the way that they play the game. It's like Mitch is, I think, the better athlete. He's got a little bit. He's got the stronger. Uh, arm but chase daniel's experience makes him the smarter player because i mentioned on my review episode last week that or earlier this week i should say is that the one thing it's like if anything you sleep a little better with chase daniel out there because he's not going to make those what the hell was that kind of throws that yeah, yeah. that mitch does like that interception he threw on monday night uh against the redskins an unnecessary throw he he thought that Allen robinson was going to cut short instead he beats josh norman over the top with what would have been a surefire touchdown instead he throws to the front pylon instead of the back one it's an interception and we miss out on a touchdown that would have absolutely sealed the game so you know that's the kind of stuff that mitch is going to do he's still learning he's still a young quarterback He still hasn't played that much, even from his college days up until now. He's not as experienced as Mahomes or Watson were in college. So he's still got a lot of learning uh, to do. It's just that we as Bear fans, we're out of patience for that kind of stuff because the the time to win is now with this defense, with the the offense that Pace has built around him. We got Gabriel. We got Robinson. We went and drafted Montgomery. We put a decent offensive line together. They're blocking for him in the passing game at least. You know the time the win, the window is open now, and in this NFL, it closes more and more every single day. And you know, bear fans are going to hate this guy if the window closes and we have nothing to show for it, and he's yeah. the reason for it. So I mean, it's, it's I I get where people are frustrated and pissed off with with Mitch. He's the guy. No matter what, he's going to be the guy when he's healthy again. He's going to be the starter and all that kind of stuff. There is no quarterback controversy in Chicago. It's just that you can rest a little easier that Chase Daniel is not going to do the silly things that Mitch does from time to time.
0: Yeah, it should be interesting, man. Like you said, that window does close really, really quickly. So you got to get on it while you can. And, uh, you know, I I know all about fan bases being frustrated with the quarterback because a lot of Raider Nation is frustrated with Derek Carr as well. They want him to be a guy that slings it around and gets back to the MVP form that he had in 2016 when he was in the running before he broke his leg. Uh, so I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know what he's going to, the end all be all is going to be for him. I know this year is very important. Uh, he needs to go out there and show that, that he can lead this team, be that franchise guy, no doubt about it moving forward. I don't think there's a quarterback controversy in Oakland either, but, uh, you know, of course the fans are are pretty upset about what they see half the time, you know, and the two losses that the, the Raiders have had, of course, the fan base is very upset at Derek Carr, John Gruden and everybody else, the two wins. It's like, okay, that was all right. But but John Gruden got conservative or Derek Carr didn't like to light it up. Or look, I, I don't know who Derek Carr is going to be as far as yards per game and touchdowns per game and where he's going to rank uh, all time. As far as quarterbacks go, you know, each year is going to be in the middle of the pack, the end of the pack. I don't I don't know. All I care about is winning games. And if the Raiders find a way to win games and he's able to win games, if it's him throwing the ball a lot or, or them running the, the rock a lot and he does what he has to do with his arm, you know, Here and there, I'm fine with that. I don't care. The only thing that matters to me is what goes on in that win column. As long as you can check something in the win column, you're all good with me.
1: Amen to that. I mean, after suffering through Mark Trestman and John Fox, uh, (laughs) you know, those were five long years, brother, let me tell you. And, you know, Matt Nagy in one and a quarter seasons has eclipsed the win total of both of those guys already. Wow. You know, I mean, he's won 15 games so far. Yeah, and John Fox won fourteen in three years. Or no, yeah, fourteen, and I think uh, Tressman won thirteen in two years. Wow. So, yeah, he's won fifteen in one and a quarter seasons. Just to show you night and day what we're dealing with here. So whether Mitch becomes the next Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers and slings it all over the field and starts breaking scoreboards, he's putting so many points on him, or he becomes the next Alex Smith and game manages to championships. I'm on board, man, as long as we're winning. So I, I really don't care wh- which end it ends up being. I just want him to be a bit more consistent one way or the other. Because, you know, you heard me mention Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde before. That's Mitch yep. Trubisky. You right. know, he can be that guy that throws for six touchdowns and a half like he did against Tampa Bay last year, or you can be the guy that five weeks later threw three interceptions in the first half against the Rams. And the only thing that saved him was the fact that our defense is just way better than theirs so that was the only thing that saved us that night was mitch threw three interceptions but golf threw four so that's that's how we won that game uh exactly. kind of thing so i mean whichever win mitch wants to be whether he wants to be alex smith or aaron Rodgers, he needs to pick a lane because he's running out of time in chicago to do so
0: yeah that makes sense that makes all the sense in the world and believe me i've been there done that know all about it <laughs> yeah
1: I mean, I just watched a, a video. Maybe you've watched it because it was a Raider video. It's it was, uh, on SB Nation's YouTube channel called uh, Collapse, and it talked about the Raiders after 2002 and, you know, going to the Super Bowl and, and the way that that team was built and, and, you know, how you basically had the oldest roster in the NFL when you went to Super Bowl against the the Bucks and uh, and everything, and everything that's ensued afterwards to get where you are now basically come in full circle because the story starts with bruden and it ends right with Gruden. so i yeah. mean if you ever get a chance you check that one out it was really interesting uh, yeah to watch.
0: i uh, i saw it floating around twitter but i didn't get an opportunity to check it out but yeah i did see it and i clicked on it and i think it, i saw how long it was i was like oh can't watch this during a commercial break so <laughs> right watch it later
1: <laughs> yeah they're like anyway sometimes it's like they're short as seven minutes or as long as 18 depending on the on the subject so yeah you gotta you gotta wedge out some time uh for one of those uh videos so so q let's go ahead and wrap this up i mean let's uh see what we we've been we've talked a lot about both teams and and what we think and expect uh from our squads and how do you see this one uh how do you see this one panning out on sunday
0: You know, the funny thing about this is going into the week, uh, I was really, really concerned about it because one, the Raiders don't play well in London. They've never won a game in London. So I thought, oh man, here it goes. Matter of fact, going into the season, I was thinking there's no way they win this game in London. They're playing the bears and this super, super good defense, nasty defense, Khalil Mack's going to, you know, be ready to to get rocking and rolling. uh, But there's other guys on the defense too. It's not just him. So there are a lot of these dudes are going to try to get after Derek Carr and, and do what they do. And so I felt really negative about the game and I'll tell you, and you can give me your opinion on it. I don't, I don't think that it's a very good idea. I guess that's the best way to put it. I don't think it was a very good idea for the bears not to go ahead of time to London. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. leaving on Thursday, I think is a really, really bad idea. Uh, That's what John Gruden did last year. And the Raiders looked like they were sleepwalking out there. now, I mean, one, they weren't a very good team and they were playing Seattle, but Two, I think it was something to it about leaving early and getting your body, your body clock used to, you know, the time change and everything. I mean, these guys were practicing. I, uh, I, I was uploading my my podcast for the day this morning, and all of a sudden they were almost wrapped up with practice. It was like eight o'clock in the morning Central Time, and they were almost done with with Wednesday's practice. And I'm thinking, damn, I'm already behind because the you know the the time change is so different. And yeah. so I think that it's a mistake by the Bears not to get there uh early and I know that they haven't been there very often I I guess they don't have a big history with being in London so mm-hmm. I think that that could be a real big mistake and so with that being said I think that the Raiders are going to find a way to squeak this out but like it's going to be an ugly game I think yeah. it's going to be like a 10-7 game 9 to 6 game 6 to 3 you know what I mean like something real real nasty and when I and you talked about talking to Lauren from uh, host uh, locked on uh, Bron- uh, Broncos locked on Bears and he was saying that you know, he didn't have a lot of belief and trust in the, in the Broncos or the Broncos, Jesus, the bears offense. <laughs> and, so, and so I'm, I'm like thinking, well, if the bears offense is struggling like that, maybe it could be a little bit of a field goal competition. Maybe it could be, you know, two or three kicks. So, uh, I might've suckered myself into saying that the Raiders are going to win. And and maybe I just, uh, I, I, I put too much stock in that going to London late, but I do think that that's going to affect the, the, the bears moving forward. And so I think with that factor being the most important factor, I think that uh, I think the Raiders find a way to pull off like a three-point victory.
1: I don't think that that's crazy or anything like that, especially a few weeks removed from the Bears going to Denver at the absolute last minute and it being very obvious in the fourth quarter that the altitude and the heat were affecting the Bears mightily because they yeah. they dominated Denver for like the first three and a half quarters of that game and then all of a sudden, they were getting pushed over there at the end like if if the game was five minutes longer Denver would have found a way to put another touchdown on the board and put that game away I have no doubt you right. know the only thing that helped the Bears there was the fact that they the Denver just simply ran out of time because if, if they have the football if there's another five minutes left in that quarter God forbid we're in a position to send it like if they went to overtime and the Bears didn't play to send it to overtime Denver wins the game I have no doubt right none whatsoever we just had nothing left we wouldn't have been able to stop them. So um, there's definitely some uh, some merit to the to the thought that them waiting until the last minute to go to London is not the best idea. I do hear that they're gonna do like a oh, like a red eye kind of thing on Thursday, like after practice to get there, like first thing Friday morning or whatever in in London or whatever. I don't know what their practice schedule is like. Like maybe they've been practicing it. Six o'clock at night, the actual time that it will be, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I'm not a fan of, of them waiting to the last minute to go over there. I think that our injury situation kind of dictated that, though. Oh, okay. The whole thing with, okay. with Mitch, the drama with Roquan, and all that kind of stuff, which got interesting today, by the way, because Nagy comes out and he says, Well, he's practicing, he's full go for practice. And then they ask him if he's going to play. He says, We'll see. Half an hour later, Roquan talks to the interview uh, core, and he's like, I'm playing on Sunday. Right. So <laughs> it's like, okay, if he makes the trip, I guess that could be true, but we'll see. Still no one has any idea what's going on. He's He and Nagy are in lockstep as far as the whole personal matter thing. So we may never find out what this is all about, but, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I like the – I just – I like our defense too much to pick against yeah. the Bears – I hear uh, in this one but I you know like I said I wouldn't be surprised if we lost because those London games come out funny man they absolutely yep. do yeah you know, we've seen it happen more than one time that a team that wasn't supposed to win just like I think there was one year where like the Ravens were down and they went out and played the Titans and they smoked Tennessee or whoever it was it was like dude they won like 33 to 7 or right. something like that just blew them right off the field <laughs> yep. and then they never show up for the rest of the season they never play another game like that they just caught the right team on the right day and that happened so who knows it could definitely happen that way but if this game was taking place in oakland which it was originally supposed to as far as home and away uh was i'm picking the bears all day and and twice on sunday kind of thing so um yeah the the london element the traveling schedule that they have definitely adds uh something to it but i, I would still have to go with the Bears. but i also agree that I looked at the line and the over under is forty. That's generous. So, <laughs> right, uh, I, I take the under all day long with uh, with that. I would be floored if somehow someone bet the over and that's what happens. So I I don't I don't know. I'm not a gambling man. Me but, neither. Uh, if 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 you were betting on that, I would definitely take the under. Uh, yeah, for that game I, for sure. I don't
0: see a lot of points being being scored either in, in this game. And, and again, I mean, I just that that Bears defense is so stinking and stingy that if you get in the red zone, if you get near the red zone, uh, you'll be you'll be happy with a field goal. You know, yeah. I, I don't see them giving up touchdowns like that. I really don't. And especially with uh, Eddie Jackson on that back end and him being that ball hawk like that, you can't get you can't get loose with the ball. I mean, yeah. you just you know he'll he'll take it away and go the other way with it and put it in the end zone if he has to. That's the other thing. I mean, the Raiders—they got to protect the ball and yeah. not allow the Bears and, and their defensive backs or their secondary or hell, any, anybody on the defensive line to pick up a turnover and go the other way with it. Because if they—if they do that, they'll put it in the end zone themselves. You yeah. know, and that could be that could be a major factor because that's the one thing about defenses, man—they win championships for a reason. Yeah. They get they score points uh, on on their own. You know, without the offenses help, just because they're that sticking good. So that's something that uh, the Raiders have to be really, really aware of, and they—they they can't get too cute because when you get cute. That's when you get Kurt.
1: cut. Cut. Yeah. <laughs> That's absolutely because you think about the best defenses in history, and those were those were units that often helped themselves. Yeah. Like not yeah. only did they keep their opponents out of the end zone, they got themselves into it on several occasions. We talked about 2002 and the Bucks, the team that won the Super Bowl you know, had like the record for most defensive touchdowns, the 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens and the 2015 Broncos, so on and so forth. Those guys that are in the discussion for the best units ever, not only did they keep their opponents from scoring, they were scoring themselves. So, you know, those are the units that often do that. And I think that's the one thing that's going to work in the Bears favor is I don't think that that, you know, I, I don't know the Raiders to be a turnover prone team, or at least I haven't Looked at the stats to see what that's like, but they're going to have to be close to perfect in order to win the game on Sunday. Yeah. If they make a mistake, the Bears are going to pounce all over it.
0: Yeah, exactly. That 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 is going to be the key. I mean, really, the turnover battle is going to determine what happens. You know, it really will. I mean, Derek Carr's thrown two interceptions on the season, and uh, him and Josh Jacobs had a had a fumble on Sunday against the uh, against the Colts, where it's just a uh, it was on both of them. I don't think it was on. On Derek Carr, 100%. I don't think it was on Josh Jacobs, 100%. It was just a miscommunication on the handoff. And so those kind of things, those little things like that can't happen against a team like the Bears. Yeah. You put them at the 20-yard line, they're going to find a way to score. You know, you're putting your defense in harm's way. So if anything, I'd rather say, okay, hey, let A.J. Cole go out there and punt the ball and make the Bears go the length of the field instead yeah. of giving them short fields. You can't give them short fields.
1: Yeah, yeah. You can You can have a pretty good day if that's the if it's a field position battle. The Bears right. offense hasn't proven prolific in that manner. So it's, uh, that's a good strategy to have is to, like, let's play field position. We'll take our chances and, and roll with it that way. And, you know, just to kind of go back to it again, you know, stopping Khalil Mack's is going to be important because the guy has figured out how to play in this NFL because I have not heard once Khalil Mack getting called for unsportsmanlike conduct or roughing the passer because right. he's attacking – when he gets to the quarterback, he's attacking the ball.
0: Yeah, You know, he's
1: going after the ball. He's going after the the turnover. It seems like sacking the quarterback is secondary because I'm here. This guy's not getting away from me, so I'm going to get the ball, and if I can't get the ball, then I'll get him kind of thing. And Khalil Mack's coming for the football. Uh, Derek Carr, who's like Khalil Mack's homie, might not like him so much after the game on Sunday, so –
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you got to play. That's exactly how you got to play though. You got to go after the ball. If you land on the quarterback, you're going to get those penalties. So yeah, I mean, attacking the, the ball, if even if you don't get it, you're bringing him down basically by his arm. Yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, that's, that's smart and, and, and smart players figure out ways to adapt to, to bad situations and a bad situation is you can't even touch quarterbacks anymore. So <laughs> that's, Khalil Mack said, you're not going to take my stats away from me. I'm going to, I'm going to figure out a way to uh, uh, overcome that. And that's exactly what he's done.
1: Yeah. He's been amazing to, to watch. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. I, so I, I, I don't want to rub it in any more than I already have. I've already kind of, you know, I think twisted the knife a little bit. So I think I'll just ease off the bass pedal on that one. So, but, uh, you know, Q man, it's been, it's been great. I'm glad to have you back on, uh, sad that we don't play the Raiders for four more years. We're going to have a find a reason to get you back on, uh, the show at, uh, at some point or, you know, just, just, just create a reason to bring you back. Cause I always have a good time talking to you.
0: Yeah, man, we'll figure something out. Don't you worry. We'll figure something out. You know I'm here in Texas, so I'm covering the Cowboys, too. So if you want me to talk oh, Cowboys go. in any type of scenario, maybe that that can uh, that can play out. I don't know. We'll figure out something.
1: Yeah, we'll figure something out. It's Q Myers, your boy Q from Locked On Raiders. And, and what's the station in Central Texas?
0: ESPN Central Texas, noon to 3.
1: Noon to 3. There you have it. And that's Central Time uh, for yeah. you folks out there, same as us here in, the, uh, in Iowa, here in the Midwest. Thanks so much, man.
0: All right, appreciate you.
1: Remember, guys, promo code CHAIR to double your first deposit at mybookie.ag. Uh, we got pro football, college football. We got the NBA and NHL just around the corner. There's a big UFC event uh, on Saturday night that I just might have to check out. Middleweight uh, UFC middleweight unification bout going on there. So big champion versus champion uh, for the middleweight title. Uh, I used to be a huge middleweight freak because my favorite fighter of all time, Anderson Silva, ruled the division for many years. Uh, unfortunately, he's uh, father time is catching up to him, so that's that's sad. But uh, nonetheless, mybookie.ag is a place to go if you want to place a wager on a game or a fight or anything else in between. I'm sure they got some creative stuff uh, on mybookie.ag. So, um, want to thank you for for coming on the show like i said we get a little uh uh long-winded but i had a great time uh talking to him i you know I, like i said at the end we got to figure out a reason to to get q back on the show same thing like with with laddie with uh lori latimore volkman for the for the broncos we don't play them again until 2023 you know same thing with the raiders unless god forbid we end up seeing each other in the super bowl uh at some point um you know, I don't do preview episodes for preseason games. You know, we played the Broncos a few times in the preseason. Maybe that'll happen with the Raiders somewhere down the line. But, uh, you know, for the most part, we won't see the Raiders again until they come to Chicago in 2023. Same thing with the uh, the Broncos. And, and two of my favorite guests just happen to represent the team. We won't play again for four years. So, we have to figure out a creative way to get those two uh, back on the show uh, at some point. But, um you know, got a few notes uh, for keys to the, to the game. And, you know, it's a uh, – the Bears not leaving. We, we talked about that, Q and I did. That the, the, the reason that he likes the Raiders on, on Sunday is the, the possible jet lag and body clock issues that the Bears might suffer from because they won't have as long a stay in London before kickoff on sunday now the thing is it's going to be sunday night in london it's like a six or seven o'clock kickoff out there but it's noon or one o'clock depending on where you are here in the states uh you know for us in the midwest the home of the bears it's a noon kickoff and ironically it's the first one of the year for us and it's still not a noon kickoff for the actual bears it's a noon kickoff for us here at home and we finally get to watch an early game uh on sunday but um it's a six or a seven PM kickoff in London uh for the for the Bears and the uh and the Raiders. Now the the Bears was kind of uh we talked about, you know, heard me say this with Q was kind of necessary for us because of the whole injury situation. I don't know what the plan was originally or if that was something that we changed on the fly because of the people that we have you know the the Roquan situation Akeem Hicks and his day-to-day status how what's the situation with Mitch and is is he going to be our backup because I still haven't heard whether or not the Bears have activated Tyler Bray if is uh you know what's the situation there I mean I guess it's still something they can do from overseas but I haven't seen any tweets or anything like that that says Tyler Bray made the trip uh to London so unless uh Unless Tariq Cohen was taking snaps as the emergency quarterback on Sunday, somebody's going to be backing him up when we play the Raiders. So I'm, I'm guessing maybe we'll finally hear that on Friday or something like that, maybe Saturday that that Tyler Bray was activated or something so that uh, he could be the backup. Um, or if the Bears are just going to take their chances with Chase Daniel and, and and maybe Mitch is good enough that he can be the emergency quarterback just to save The roster spot because the bears have to cut somebody again to make room uh for tyler bray so who knows i mean it's it's crazy so but um for the bears it was kind of necessary with the injury situation and things like that that we waited a couple of extra days before we head out and and although it might benefit the raiders it was i think more of a logistical thing for them because if you remember the raiders played in indianapolis on sunday So it made a hell of a lot more sense for them to leave for London from Indianapolis than it did to fly three quarters of the way back across the country from Indy to Oakland and then fly out another couple of days later completely across the country and then uh, across the pond. I mean, it was just um, more of a logistical idea. You know, it made a lot more sense for the Raiders to leave from Indianapolis than it did to go all the way back home to oakland and fly out from there on tuesday or wednesday or whatever to uh to make the trip to london so it 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 might be something that um will help the raiders strategically or physically or whatever uh you know them being out there having a couple of more days to get used to the jet lag and the body clock thing and uh, which is a real thing because you know we we talked about it with q that uh, some of those london games can be kind of hinky they don't really always go the way you'd think they would But um, we'll have to wait and see uh, on that. So uh, it just seemed necessary that both teams left when they did. The Bears, with their injury situations, need to wait another day or two to find out who can go and who can't. And the Raiders, logistically, it just made more sense to leave from Indy than it did to fly all the way back to Oakland before flying out to uh, the U.K. So I am looking forward to the game on Sunday. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the pictures and the videos Uh, from all of my uk listeners uh, guys that are part of the uh, facebook group uh, bears talk underground on facebook go ahead and join if you want and uh you know to also uh you know just i I just I'm, i'm very excited about it and and to seeing you know what what they can do i'm excited to see what the how many people show up to the big meet that uh, that everyone's talking about, supposedly happening on on Saturday night, and then whatever whatever they plan on doing on Sunday? Because they don't really tailgate in the UK, but um, you know we'll we'll see how the how the gatherings go and how many people show up and uh, uh, and whatnot. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. So, but I also expect the Bears are one of the best traveling teams in football. Their fan bases. You know, we are as loyal as they come, and we would follow the Bears to Africa, you know, or wherever. Some Russia and the Red Square will play a game out there. Bear fans will show up uh, for that one. So uh, I expect a very pro-Bear-heavy crowd uh, on Sunday in the in the U.K. I think the Bears are popular in London on their own without having to bring every Chicago Bear fan that was lucky enough to make the trip on top of it. But putting those two elements together, it's going to be quite an atmosphere uh, on Sunday when the Bears play the Raiders. Now, as far as strategics and strategy, because that's the better you (laughs) better use of the word there, the better strategy, I think, on Sunday. It might sound crazy, especially considering that Chase Daniel is going to be our starting quarterback on Sunday. I think the Bears need to come out throwing the ball. And here's why. I know that sounds nuts. And I know that it's not as crazy because Matt Nagy, you know, is more of a pass-heavy guy in the first place. But I think we we need to do something, and I, I think it only can only happen in the passing game to get defenses out of the box against the Bears, because you know I know that the O line is having its issues with run blocking. That's that's tail of the tape for the last for the first four weeks of the season. We struggle running the football however every film analyst and things like that 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 I that I've listened to that I've you know seen tweets about and things like that uh, basically the defenses are daring us to throw the ball because they're loading up the box to stop the run they're loading up to defend Montgomery and Cohen and you know Mike Davis and and things like that and which basically means that the offensive line is constantly outnumbered You know, there's always going to be a free guy if they're loading seven, eight guys into the box and we've got six, maybe seven offensive linemen, uh, you know, five offensive linemen. Maybe we're bringing in an extra body to be that uh, third, that second tight end or, or or what have you. There's always going to be an extra guy. We can face seven, eight, nine man boxes at times. And there's going to be free guys shooting gaps. And that's what's making it difficult for us to run and we really need to get the running game going and, and I don't think that just straight up running the football and pounding at a brick wall uh, a la the 2017 Bears is a good idea uh, I think we need to do something uh, you know in the passing game that's going to get them to ease off the line of scrimmage uh, a little bit so you know we need to get something going on with the the passing game. I've heard that the Raiders are susceptible to deep throws. I was listening to Locked On Bears with Lauren Cox the other day, and he was talking about. He made a list of all of the the deep throws, thirty yards, forty yards, you know, twenty plus yards receptions and stuff like that. the The Raiders are susceptible to that kind of thing. Well, we just happen to have a pretty damn good receiver in Allen Robinson. Um, you know, uh, Javon Wims is pretty good. You know, I, I heard Riley Ridley's a stud, even though he hasn't seen the field. It, oh, yeah, we got Anthony Miller, too, in case the Bears forgot. Anthony Miller a pretty awesome receiver as well. So and we got, you know, uh, Trey Burton as well. So, I mean, we've got people. We just need to find them and get them into a spot and get some passes down field. And I, I really think that would help us open up the offense and, and, and we're facing a six-man box instead of an eight- or a nine-man box. And, and like you heard me tell Q, if we could figure out how to get David Montgomery to the second level, Get him through the line of scrimmage and past the defensive line, he's a superstar waiting to happen. I honestly believe that. The way that this kid runs the ball, he runs angry, he makes moves, he makes guys miss, he runs over them, he breaks tackles. You know, if we can get him into the second level, he could really do some damage. I really, really believe that. So I think that that passing to get the defense to ease up off the line of scrimmage would be the would be the way to go. So I mean, that's just my thought. On it, And I think we should come out passing early. And maybe if we get a few of those things to hit downfield early on, the Raiders will have to actually respect the pass. And that will open things up for David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen, even Cordero Patterson later on in the game. So maybe we'll we'll still be a little stingy with the run in the beginning while we're trying to set up the pass to be able to run uh, later on. But I think maybe if that works, then in the second half, we go to a more run heavy thing. Could be an interesting afternoon for us. And then defensively, those guys don't need my help. <laughs> they don't need me telling them to get after the passer or, you know, anything like that. They know what they're doing. You know, it's uh, it's an amazing thing being able to have the defense that we've got right now. With or without Roquan Smith, with or without uh, Akeem Hicks, we're still an elite uh, defense. And those guys don't need my help or my advice. <laughs> They really don't. So I'm not even going to try to give those guys tips. It's just there's no point. There really isn't. So Chuck Pagano's got it. We've got the best defense and some of the best defensive players the NFL has to offer. So I'm just going to let those guys do their thing. So offensively, that's my key. We need to come out throwing the football to figure out a way through the passing game to get the defenses to clear out of the box a bit to give our dynamic running back in in David Montgomery to get him into the second level cuz I, th- I swear to god guys we get him past the offensive line we get him past that that defensive line and into the linebackers and into the secondary he's going to make some amazing things happen he really is so i i really am, am desperate to see that happen i really am i want to see David Montgomery go off and i think it would be great if he could do that before the bye and carry that momentum into the back half of the, uh, of the season. So overall, I think we got this. I, you know, we're, we're going to be fine. I don't think the body clock issue is going to be enough to derail the bears and their efforts to beat the Raiders. It is the NFL and stranger things have happened. So we'll, <laughs> you know, I won't be surprised if the Raiders win this one, but, uh, I'll definitely be upset, uh, if we don't win, but, uh, nonetheless, uh, looking forward to another victory episode guys come back on Tuesday for the review episode knee jerk reactions bear up bear downs the whole nine yards and uh, looking forward to that and then uh, see if we can't get our friend uh, Lauren Cox to come back to us and, and talk about the recapping the first five weeks and uh, uh, you know the, the annual bye week show that Lauren likes to take part in so uh, that'll be on tap later on uh, next week so come on back Tuesday for what I uh, suppose will be or what I predict will be another victory episode to have our beloved go 4-1 and one into the bye and until then my name is Larry D and this has been the Bears Talk Underground